All right, so not only are the Rangers trailing in a series, they're playing for their season life, and they'll play for it in Game 5 in Pittsburgh on Friday. After losing uh, Games 2, 3, and 4 of the series, they're trailing three games to one, which is, uh, you know, not the best of spots to be in, but there's uh, there's still hope on the way. Um, if you look at, around the NHL in, in a series pass of what's going on with 3-1 leads, especially with the Rangers in 3-1 leads, and uh, joining me today to talk Rangers hockey with uh, possibly one game left in the season is Brian Monzo from WFAN, the producer for uh, Mike Francesa on the fan and on Fox Sports 1. Monzo, how's it going today? Yeah, I got some breaking news. I'm currently, I just got a text message back. I am going out on a date with Kate Upton. Oh, yeah? No, well, no. That's about as likely happening as the Rangers coming back in the series. <laughs> I thought maybe there was something uh, NFL draft related there and something with Fox or something. I didn't, I, I didn't no, get your joke I, at first. But I, I like it. About, I, I was thinking about things that were actually least likely to happen. That was the only thing I could think of. <laughs> well, I was going to open it by asking you, is this series over? Uh, look, <clears throat> I'm always the optimist. You know, I, I really like the way this team played down the stretch. Um, but they, they just, I don't want to blame the schedule. I don't want to blame being tired, the Olympics. They just look, they look done. I mean, anything can happen. They've been a good road team, so maybe they can... You know, squeeze the win out in game uh, in game five here, but it's just you know they. I think what you're just seeing is is a team that's uh, playing a team that's much better than them, and they're just not able to keep up at this point. A lot of blames been being placed around. Uh, it's on the coaching staff for not being prepared. It's on Henrik Lundqvist for you know whatever the reason people still want to blame him for. Uh, Rick Nash for you know not scoring once again in this playoffs after having just one goal last year. Uh, Marty St. Louis for his, uh, you know, constant turnovers. McDonough for not being the same player he was, whether he's injured or not. Dan Girardi for being the worst defenseman in the league. Um, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around, but when it comes down to it, it, there's a reason the Penguins won the division despite losing more man games than any other team in the NHL this year. And, you know, there's a reason they fought the Bruins tooth and nail for the number one overall seed, and that's just because I think they're the better team than the Rangers. Hey, look, I, I don't love the guy, you know, but... Sidney Crosby is the best player in the league. And, you know, Johnny Malkin is right there, two or three. And I despise the guys. But, you know, it's when you have that kind of talent surrounded by a bunch of decent players, the James Neals, the Yusuke Jokinins, Chris Letang on defense, uh, despite how bad the goalie is, and I still think he's awful, uh, with a solid coach who's won a Stanley Cup, a team that's won a Stanley Cup, you know, it's not a knock on the Rangers because, you know, I don't think the Rangers played – Awful so far. I mean, yesterday, game four was pretty bad. But they haven't been brutal. I mean, they've been competitive. But I think what we just saw is, is a little bit of a wake-up call that as much as you may or may not like the Penguins, they're just on a different level. And, you know, the reason they got there was because they sucked for a couple of years. And that's what has to happen. You, you get a couple of top premier players, you know, from finishing last overall and getting a couple first overall picks. And you get some big top players. Someone actually, how'd they get Crosby? How'd they get Malkin? Well, they were bad for a couple of years. They were only <laughs> drafted the first and second overall. I mean, that's, you know, the Rangers are always good enough not to get a great pick. And the last time they had a good pick was number 10 overall, and they drafted Dylan McElrath, who's played five minutes in the NHL, and I'm not sure he has a future. <laughs> and I like the way, I like the way the Rangers have drafted. But of course, the one time they have a chance to really get a player, it looks like they blow it. But, uh, you know, that's, I think that's what we're looking at. I mean, that's not a knock on the range. We could do all the finger-pointing after the season on who's fault. And I'm not a big finger-pointer when it comes to this stuff. I think you just got to analyze the situation and see where you can improve. Um, you know, there's lots of things that need to improve. I, I, have, I understand Rick Nash struggled. 
Um, but I'm not going to point the finger at Rick Nash. I understand that Martin St. Louis struggled, but I'm not ready to point the finger at him. I mean, it's, it's an entire team effort. And uh, I think that's the big issue. And, you know, the Penguins play as a team. They have a lot of different, you know, weapons. They're good on the penalty kill. They're good on the power play. And their goalie was somehow able to, you know, not let in eight goals a game. And uh, that's a winning formula. Well, with Pittsburgh, and, you know, I-, I thought the Rangers had a chance to win the series going into the series, which, you know, stupid me coming off the high of winning a game seven against the Flyers. And when you look back at that series, maybe that should have been the writing on the wall that the Rangers weren't ready to take that next step because, you know, they needed seven games to get rid of the Flyers. But after the game one win, even to, you know, despite blowing a, a 2 nothing lead and then winning in overtime, um, you know, the Rangers look like a completely different team. Uh, from the Game 6 in the Flyers series to what how they played in Game 7 to how they carried that over to Game 1. And that team from Game 7 of the Flyers to Game 1 of the Penguins is just completely gone. And to get shut out in back-to-back games against Marc-Andre Fleury, I think is more unacceptable than anything that's happened in, in postseason's past in the last 6-7 years for the Rangers. Well, I was actually more bothered by the first shutout because I understand the Rangers, whenever you start a series and you're going on the road, you ideally just want to take one of the games. After the Rangers won a very dramatic game in game one, that game two, they came out, they, I mean, I know Pittsburgh played well and played a good defensive game, but the Rangers literally had no chance. They didn't make Mark Andre Fleury work at all. Game three, at home, they didn't score any goals, but they created chances and they played a more balanced game. I mean, that was just the game that Fleury played well. I think there was no excuse to come out and, and really do nothing in Game 2. That was the one that bothered me. Well, with the Rangers, you know, like I said, I felt good after coming out of the Flyers series. I felt great after the first game against Pittsburgh. I started to think that my prediction of Rangers in six against the Penguins uh, could actually hold up. But like I've always said, the Rangers are sort of like the New York Giants where, you know, you take them from game to game, you're going to be let down because they could look like the best team, you know, in the league on one game and the worst in the next. Even in game four, I mean, sure, they, they scored goals, which is, you know, something you shouldn't get excited about in, in the NHL. But, you know, they just didn't have the chances. And uh, and really, it's going to come down to the power play biting them in the ass because to go over 36 or whatever it is at this point, I mean, I don't even know how you describe how how terrible that is to go over 36 when you need the power play the most, when uh, special teams decide the playoffs, decide series, and you can't even score one power play goal. And to top it off, they're giving up shorthanded goals and shorthanded breakaways and shorthanded opportunities at an alarming rate as well. Yeah, you know, I'd have less of a problem with the power play if it was actually creating opportunities and, you know, maybe driving some momentum to the team. But the power play isn't even, you know, they look like they're shorthanded on the power play. It's not even like they're getting opportunities and, and, you know, they're coming close. I mean, the power play has been a gigantic waste of time. Uh, you know, you almost count the shots to take that as a success. If it's just taking a shot on goal during a power play, which is extremely sad. It's disappointing because the power play, for the most part, during the season was pretty good. And you look at game one against Philly in that series, they scored those two power play goals in the third period. You know, bang, bang, bang passes. And you think, that, you know, this team's really coming together with the power play and they haven't scored a power play goal since. I mean, they scored running game two against uh, Philly. That's my bad. But, I mean, since then, I mean, 0 for 36 or 0 for 37, whatever the hell it is, I mean, it's just embarrassing. And, you know, I, I'm not going to go as far to say that's the reason they're losing, but it certainly is not, you know, helping them by any way. Well, with Rick Nash, you know, people are pointing the fingers at him more than anyone because of his contract, because he was, you know, sought after uh, heavily that first time, and they finally got him, and they gave up whatever they gave to get him, which I still don't have a problem with. I think they still stole that deal. Which is basically the equivalent of nothing. Exactly. So, I mean, you look at that deal, and, you know, I still am a Rick Nash guy. Maybe I'm 
too supportive of it. Maybe I'm too high on him because I was so adamant about him coming here that I don't want to, you know, admit I was wrong. And I still don't think I was wrong because he leads the playoffs in shots. He's getting the chances. He's playing hard. He's playing at a, at a, at a high level. The pucks just aren't going in. It's not like this guy's, you know, dogging it and not back checking or, or playing sluggish or, or not, you know, creating any offense at all. But uh, I mean, it don't, do you think people are out of line with the questioning of him? Uh, sure. It all comes down to the score sheet, and the score sheet reads really poorly for him, given that you know Daniel Carcillo in limited time has two more goals than Rick Nash does. But um, I just think you know people need to to settle down with pointing the fingers because, like we started the podcast saying, the Penguins are just a better team, and you can make excuses or you could look at guys on the Rangers all you want, but but when it comes down to it, they're deeper, they have better high scoring talent. You know, their best two players in, in Crosby and Malkin are two, maybe one and two in the entire world. Where Nash and St. Louis, you know, they're great players they're team canada like players but they're also you know on the bottom of that depth chart they're not anywhere near that level so maybe people just need to, to settle down with pointing fingers and just accept the rangers just aren't that good well one of my issues with nash and the people with nash is that i, I understand it's frustrating that he hasn't scored any goals and look I, you know you want him to score 10 goals in the playoffs but you, you brought up a good play he's doing a lot you know he's not dogging it he's skating he's he's you know, you can tell he's obviously frustrated and struggling, but he's creating opportunity. You know, you'd like to see him get his body in front of the net a little more, but he's obviously not playing as confident as you'd like him to be. Uh, but you, know, you see the efforts there, and, that, you know, as a fan, that's, you know, when the guy's not producing, the most you can ask for is at least to show that he cares and he's trying. I mean, I, like, I think the guys played well this year, but, I mean, you look at Brett Richards last year who was struggling, and he just looked off. At least Nash looks like he's you know, playing hockey, you know, he's not skating around with his head down, you know, he gets the, he's creating opportunities, he's getting in front of that, he's back-checking, you know, he made a bonehead pass yesterday that uh, ended up leading to a goal, but, you know, he's not the only player on the team, and, and the same thing goes for Sam Louis, I mean, he's been awful this series, I mean, there's no other way to put it, you know, but, you know, people questioning, have people still question that trade with Brian Callahan, <laughs> people need to understand, it's ridiculous, Callahan, Callahan was getting traded anyway, if it wasn't for San Luis, he was going to Anaheim or San Jose for lesser packages for guys for unknown prospects and possibly draft picks. That wasn't going to help a team that technically was a win-out team. Now, we can maybe question that now, but that was the best deal that Sather could make. And, you know, I don't doubt that trade. And San Luis, despite the one goal in the regular season, helped to win games down the stretch. And, you know, maybe without him, they wouldn't have advanced the second round because he was really good in the first round. So... Uh, he's been awful this round, but he's made some brutal passes, and I'm sure he's frustrated. But, you know, the guy, look, I, I, again, I don't really want to point fingers, but the guy that's been the dog to me is Derek Stepan. I heard some, some rumors that he may be injured, and if that may be true. And, you know, if that comes out after the season, then, you know, we can forgive him a little bit. But he has just been absolutely awful. The entire playoff, by his game, one of the uh, Flyers series where he had that goal. I've never seen a guy, the only guy, the only people I see pass up better shots than him are recovering alcoholics. I mean, <laughs> it's just the guy, the guy's wide open and he immediately looks past. I've never seen it. And whenever he does take a shot, his blocker goes wide. It to me is so frustrating. And the coaches rely on him so much. And look, he's not awful, but he's not as good as uh, they put him out to be. They put him out there to be a number one guy, and he's just not there. I don't think he's ever going to be there. And that's not a knock on him. He's a number two center, you know, a good number two center. You know, but the Rangers need to be a number one center. He's not that guy. Oh, I totally agree. And I think, you know, we've talked about Stepan in the past, and 
in this playoffs maybe is hurt. I mean, he's looked extremely soft on the puck. You know, he's he's getting it taken away from him in the you know when he's down low when he's on when he's in defense trying to get back and helping. Uh, he just doesn't look right. And you know, he's not the guy that's going to go out there create offense himself and score goals himself. He needs to be the guy that sits on the far post, like you know, scoring these wide open uh, you know one timers right on his tape because he's not the guy. He's not the Nash. He's not the Saint Louis. He's not going to dangle through people and score. But I think everyone's always expected him to sort of be that because, like you said, the Rangers put him out there to be that guy, and he hasn't been. And and I and you, another good point you had is that you know they rely on him to be that guy, and I think maybe that's the coaching staff's fault is that they put him in these situations where you know they're saying go be the number one center, even though he doesn't have the ability to be it. Yeah, he's a number two. He's a number two center, and he'd be a good number two center if they had a, a Paul Spath there, you know, somebody like that. But you know, they don't. And look, I know now there's, there's a uh, saying that I've heard that you know you can't just you know go to Target and buy a number one center. You know that's true. These guys don't throw on threes. But you know that, that's something the Rangers are going to have to dress in the off season. But uh, like you said, they rely on step on too much. That's probably their own fault. Uh, you know, but we that's really been exposed. That's really been an issue so far in the playoffs. Well, with the Rangers, and I think another thing that's been exposed is their defense. And for the last few years, especially two years ago when they made the run to the conference finals, we heard about their great young core def- uh, defense and how it was finally – uh, picking up and proving to be, you know, the guys that they thought they would have down the road. And I, I think that couldn't have been any more untrue then than it is now because you look at the D and McDonough is clearly injured because he's just not playing the same way. Girardi's just not good at all. I mean, he, here's a guy that the Bruins, you know, were, were in talks with earlier in the season when it looked like he wasn't going to get extended or something and they were going to trade for a rental. And I wish they had because now that contract just looks miserable. Uh, you know, Strawman's a guy who sh- probably shouldn't be in the lineup, wouldn't be on the, in a lineup on a lot of teams, but is because the Rangers don't have defensive depth. Uh, Stahl's been, been just as bad in, in these playoffs or let alone these series where he sort of carried the team a few games in the Flyer series, but... I guess he's looked bad enough here, and, and I guess anyone would look bad when you're facing Crosby, Malkin, Neal, Kunitz, and these guys. Uh, and, and then, you know, you just got the other guys, John Moore, he's in and out of the lineup. Um, and this team, I mean, Diaz has, has been the most best offensive, you know, guy they've had on the blue line, and there's a guy who he can't even stay in the lineup. So it just seems to me like it's always been Henrik Lundqvist since he's come up. He's the one that's made the Rangers' defense look better than it is, and I think you're seeing that now more than ever, that anytime the defense has a good performance or the scoreboard suggests they do, it's only because of Lundqvist and not because of what the players are doing. Well, with some I agree with, some I don't. I actually think you left out, you know, the guy in the playoffs who's played the best, and that's Kevin Klein. Oh, yeah, I did. I'll, I'll give Klein. I'll, he had he had one, uh, you know, dumb decision the other night, but for the most part, I'll give him a pass. Oh, look, Klein to me, he, he, can, he can hit, he can jump in the play. Um, Girardi struggled, and I, I still have no problem with the contract because of his longevity and, and you know, Many guys are in contract, and he took probably less money than he would have gotten, so that's fine. And, you know, who knows? He could be banged up. McDonough was clearly hurt. You know, that shoulder or whatever, you ever hurt his hand in the Philly game, he got to close the boards. You know, Stoll's been, been okay, not great. And I'm not sure Stoll's ever going to be great with his uh, injury history with the eye and the concussions. I really think injuries have really screwed him up. I mean, John Moore, to me, is kind of whatever. Uh, Diaz, I, I actually I like Diaz. I, I think everybody likes Diaz' offensive game, but if you notice, the last two games he is absolutely awful at playing actual defense, um, which is depressing because he has some potential. So I mean, it's safe to say the Rangers do have some gaps still on defense. Um, you know, Dylan McElrath, we mentioned earlier, 
you know, he may be uh, ready next season. Uh, Brady Shea won't be ready next season, who they drafted a couple of years ago. Um, you know, so they may be in the market for defense. And Anton Strowman, uh, he's been okay, uh, not great, but I think this will be his last run with the Rangers because after the Andrew McDonald contract, Strowman's going to get six years, $36 million again. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, that's obviously out of the Rangers' budget. So, I mean, um, you know, there's definitely some issues on the on the blue line and, and injuries might be a part of it. <clears throat> I'll tell you one thing that's kind of uh, maybe crazy. I might consider trading Marcel to draft this year. Contract's coming up at the end of next year. You know, he's got value. Uh, I think you can get a lot for him. You know, Carolina probably wants him because he can play with the rest of his uh, family. You know, that's something I wouldn't rule out and something I'd kind of be interested in seeing what's out there if you put him out there. Well, with trades... Uh, you look back at the trade last year, the big trade for the Rangers with Gabrick going to Columbus, and now he's tearing it up for the Kings in the playoffs. Uh, he's got six goals and nine points in nine games. Um, and you look back at that, and you know people had thought that he played himself out in New York that season. Really, it was you know Tortorella playing Gabrick out because he tried to change his entire game and to fit his defensive system. But when you look at what the Rangers got in return, I mean Dorsett and Moore, when they don't dress, and besides the only guy dressing, that means. Two thirds of the trade for a guy who they could use really badly right now aren't even in the lineup. Yeah, no, I mean, look, for Sark's been okay, and I, and I have no problem with Sark being on the team. You know, I, I think at the time, based on the situation, Gabbard had to go. So, I mean, look, some trades work, some don't. Now, that was a, uh, uh, I think you have to make this trade, uh, and if for Sark's a keeper for the next, if he's a Ranger for the next eight or nine years, then the trade, you know, was worth it. But if, you know, for Sark's not on the team in two years, you could say the trade was disappointing. But, you know, Gabbard's the guy I wouldn't, you know, rule out coming back to the Rangers next year at the right price. You know, without John Tortorelli here, you know, he might have a nice spot on that second line if he, if you want to sign a reasonable contract. Uh, I've always liked Averick. You know, he's always had that, you know, ability to put the puck in the net. You know, he's had, you know, overtime goals in the playoffs, you know, multiple. Now you saw it this year. And he's had, you know, minus injuries. He, he was a good Ranger. So, you know, he, he's someone I keep an eye on. And I hope the Rangers think about, you know, squeezing him in next year or at least making him an offer. Well, when you look at the Penguins, and since their cup, they lost in the second round. They lost in the first round back-to-back years. Then last year's disaster against the Bruins in the conference finals, and it's almost gotten to the point now where you know you expect them to be there because they're they're always a high seed. They won the division again this year. They always seem to be the one or the two seed in the Eastern Conference. But it, it almost seems like with everyone talking about the Bruins, the season they had, and you know the, how the Canadians might be the only team that can beat the Bruins, and then what you got in the Western Conference with the Kings and the Blackhawks. Is it possible that, that Pittsburgh can like sort of fly under the radar here? It's almost like they've become underrated despite having probably more talent than any other team in the league. The league, the NHL itself loves to, you know, feature their superstars, but they really haven't overexploited this series. They've really been into the Montreal Boston series. I mean, look, that is a heated rivalry, you know, so I understand that. So maybe the focus hasn't been on the Penguins as much as we normally see. And I gotta be honest with you, based on that series, the Bruins Canadians in this series, I think whoever wins that Bruins Canadian series is just going to steamroll whoever wins the Rangers Penguins series and probably the Penguins. And surprisingly, I mean, that might be Montreal. I thought Boston was unbeatable, but I, I, look, as much I hate the Canadians, and that's my least favorite team in all of sports. I hate the goalie, I hate Subban, I hate everything about <laughs> that franchise, I hate their fans, but you know, they're, you got to respect the team when they're on a roll and they are playing good in hockey. And to me, if I'm Boston, as good as that team is, and the Bruins are, all, are a great team. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit on my heels. The goalie's struggling a little bit, but you never see. He's very, you know, 
Pico Reyes is as consistent as anybody. It looks a little bit on his heels. Uh, you know, Luchas has been quiet. Uh, Char has not been great. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Montreal pulls the upset here, but you can never count the Bruins out. But I think whoever advances, and like I said, it's probably going to be Pittsburgh, is going to be in for a, uh, a very tough series with whoever wins that series. Well, I agree with you, and I thought that whoever won the, the Boston-Montreal series would beat the winner of this series. And it, it's kind of crazy to think of how good the Bruins were all this season. Um, you know, that sort of sparked off of, you know, their la- last season, their performance, and they were in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, and that comeback against the Leafs sort of, you know, set them off. They went to the finals, uh, they lose in six games, and now they have this great regular season, but it's just kind of insane to think about how good they were, and Montreal's, you know, uh, uh, not blowing a, a game two lead away from being up 3-0 on them right now. It doesn't matter how big and strong a team is, if, if you're playing with uh, fan base, like those intense fans in Montreal, like, again, I really despise. You know, that's tough to play against no matter who you are. And Montreal is their fast team, man. They are they are quick with the puck. They're quick with their legs. They make stuff happen, and they shoot the puck. And they're a good team, and I, I hate to admit that, you know, but they really got the, you know, the momentum in the playoffs. I don't, I'm not sure if it carries game to game. But it certainly carries within a game. And if Montreal continues to outplay the Bruins early in games, you know, I think this series went the over in five. I mean, it's unbelievable for you to say that. <laughs> and I would, have put, I would have put all the money I had on the Bruins in that series. But right now, I'm not so sure. Well, you were saying that the Bruins, you know, if they went out to win the Cup, they'd be go down as one of the, the best teams ever. Yeah, look, the Bruins to me, and look, their regular season team, <laughs> still to me, in comparison, just in regular season, uh, it's still one of the better regular season teams we've seen in a very long time. Now, it doesn't matter when it comes to the playoffs, but they were as dominant. I mean, they were winning games by over one and a half goals a lot. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I knew you giving them so much credit because of their streak of winning by two that they were on. Yeah, I mean, look, that's just that's just part of the uh, fun with it. But, I mean, they just, you know, they made it look easy. You know, they took the teams. And that, that's, that's cool to see. Um you know, it's, it's got to be disappointing for them that they've uh, struggled here in the second round if they're, um, you know, such a good regular season. Look, who knows? I mean, they're, they're such a good team. You know, there's, there's probably – I guarantee you if you go to a betting website, there's better odds that they win the series than the Canadians. They're losing it. I mean, look, I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just saying it's cool, you know, right now Montreal is playing, you know, winning brand of hockey. Well, with that, and in the Western Conference, uh, we haven't really touched on that because we never talk Western Conference hockey because who wants to talk Western Conference hockey? But uh, before the, the playoffs started, you know, you were very high on the San Jose Sharks, and now their home with uh, and part of history is one of the most embarrassing, you know, reckless collapses of all time. Yeah, I, you know what? Honestly, I love that because I love Jonathan Quick. Look, they had a great regular season. They had that 3 lead, and, you know, it just, you know, it hit the fan. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's... Total uh, way to explain it. Uh, they had a great regular, again, another team with a great regular season, and the Sharks just had a history of being awful in the playoffs. They're never going to go down in history for blowing a 3 0 lead. You know, what are you going to do? And I, look, I, I think the Kings right now are the team to come out of the West. All that momentum, a goalie who loves the big stage, Olympics, Stanley Cup, Gabbert's been awesome, as we mentioned earlier. I mean, that team's on fire. I'm kind of love the Chicago Blackhawks. They're probably the Second team in the league that I root for behind the Rangers, you know. But uh, right now, the Kings look like a team that that you know is going to go through whoever's in the West, whoever the Kings play, whether it be Boston or Montreal. That's going to be a good Cup final. All right, Monzo. Well, you know, thanks for joining me today, and uh, hopefully we can do this some more. Hopefully this this Friday game five isn't the last stop for the Rangers. Hopefully they can extend this thing and uh, live to see another day. But 
um, <laughs> the way they play the last three games, that doesn't seem likely. And, uh, you know, I'd ask you who you think the Giants are going to draft on Thursday night, but by the time this gets posted, they'll already have picked. Um, but uh, what's going on with the next uh, the round of the Triple Crown here? Are you going California Chrome again? I will take – I don't know if I'm going to wager on it just because he's going to have no odds. You know, but I think California Chrome wins, California Chrome wins the Preakness. Um, and we'll see. Look, much like they do with every Kentucky Derby winner that goes on to win the Preakness, all the horses that he beat in the Kentucky Derby are going to be rested, and they're going to want to. They're going to want to beat him. They're going to be teaming up to give him a horrendous trip. So, if he does win the, the Preakness, which you know, if all things remain equal, he will. Uh, there'll be a lot of good horses waiting for him at the uh, Belmont Stakes, uh, looking to end that that streak of two wins. Uh, you know, not giving him the triple crown because that's, you know, that's something, you know, you don't want to be a losing horse by then, but it's, it's a great thing for the sport, and, uh, and you know, I, I think we have a chance to have it. So one more thing about the Rangers, because I didn't get into this. <laughs> you know, I know you were at game game three, and I was at game four, and, and look, I don't know how much this has to do with the play on the ice. Probably none, to be honest with you. How horrible was the crowd? You know what? I just read something uh, today, or someone—I forget where I—someone was talking about how bad the MSG crowd was, and they were asking the players about it. And I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, the crowd well, was in mean, it. I don't, mean, went, I don't mean the booing. I don't mean the booing and Nash or whatever. No, no one booed at game three. I was at game three, but no one booed at game three. But if you mean like the crowd's intensity, I mean the crowd was in it until I think when it's Crosby scored on the breakaway, people just—it sort of deflated it because they. They hadn't scored since overtime of game one. They were getting shut out again. And then once Jokin had scored, I mean, the place was just dead after that. But that's what are you going to expect if you're if the home team hasn't scored in two games and, you know, it was going on six periods almost. I mean, I just expect the crowd to be dead. If I was a player, I would expect it. Well, here's my issue. is you have a goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury who's very delicate, you know, that crowd should be chanting Fleury the entire game. Now, that gets to a player. I didn't hear, in the two games, I didn't hear one, I know I don't even have a goal in the first game, but still, I mean, that gets the player's head. Rick Nash got into his head when he got booed or he at least heard it. You know, Flurry is so weak. And how is there not one Flurry chance in two games? I mean, that to me is embarrassing. And that's a problem, because the Rangers, you have a hardcore fan, and the tickets are so expensive. The hardcore fan's not there, and it's a lot of corporate. And, you know, well, it's, all about, it's all about what's on the ice, I understand that. You know, but fan, I mean, look at those fans in Montreal, the fans in Columbus last round against I mean, those were huge influences of how that team played. And if the fans aren't behind them, the fans, even if fans are rooting for them, if they're quiet, that's an issue. I and mean, that's a problem. And I, I think one of the things, I think it's a big issue with the card. No, I think I think there's a big issue in New York sports as a whole now that you know there's a new Yankee Stadium, there's a new MetLife Stadium, MSG's been renovated. It doesn't even look like it used to look. And you know where where the crowd noise is going to come from isn't from you know uh, up in the 400s or the top of the 200s. Um, you know it's going to come from the 100 section because that's the closest to the ice. And when you look at the start of the game or, or the start of each period, because they have you know the clubs and the, whatever the executive stuff underneath. I mean those seats, it looks like it, you know it looks like warm ups with how, how little people are there until about five or six minutes into the period once everyone gets back to their seats. But I just think that's expected at this day and age. And you know those seats are are outrageously priced, just the way that you know the seats between the bases at Yankee Stadium are. And I think you know it's it, all of sports is turning into that, and it sucks. But you know that's what it is. It's not. It's never going to be the way it was, and that's that's pretty depressing. No, and look, you look at the, the Montreal fans, the uh, the Columbus fans are loud. 
Blackhawks fans. You don't even hear the national anthem. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, you don't get that in New York, at least at the Garden. And I can't speak for uh, Yankee Stadium or even MetLife because one I produce all the giant games. And, uh, you know, I don't go to a ton of Yankee games. And um, I've been to a few, and I can't really recall the noise being an issue or a non-issue. And there's only about 35 to 40 people that go to City Field, and that's not going to make a difference. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, to me, crowd noise, it, it makes an impact on TV, and, you know, in certain ways it makes an impact on the ice. And if that crowd is dead, and look, a lot of that's food to play in the ice, I understand that, but Rangers fans are, are known for, for taunting goalies, and Flurry's a bad goalie, and they should have been taunting well, when I think of MSG crowd noise, I mean, you think about, uh, you know, the the 2010-11 playoffs where they chanting at, you know, the Capitals when they got that huge lead and then they blew the three-goal lead in the third, so maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but as a fan and as someone who watches, it's disappointing not to see it. Well, if they come back for a game six, uh, you know, if I'm there and you go, I expect you to be there making some noise. Hey, look, I'll be one of uh, eight people actually cheering while everybody else... Uh... You know, drink their vodka <laughs> All right, Monzo, thanks again. And, uh, you know, hopefully there is a Game 6 for us to talk about. And, and if there is, and maybe there'll be a Game 7 too, and maybe we'll keep this thing going. Bro, I just hope I didn't go with from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> All right, Monzo, thanks again. See you later.